Welcome to Mysteries in Paradise. I am Jen, joined as always by GR Dad. Good evening. <laughs> How's it going, GR Dad? Pretty good. It's been a while. Refresh my recollection. There was a time when this was called Murders in Paradise. It was, um, but there's not that many murders, and we weren't even talking about murders all the time. No, we we're talking about, about ghosties. Ghosts and mysteries. So we changed it to Mysteries in Paradise. Excellent. I'm, I'm on board. I mean, um, I'm, I'm caught up. This week's story is not about a murder, though there is a murder that has happened in it. Like any good mystery. Uh, the reason that we're not doing this podcast as regularly is because I can't motivate myself with all the other stuff I have to do to do like the research for it. And so what we're doing is we have all three volumes of Terry Schmidt's true crime stories of Key West and the Florida Keys. And we're just going to read his damn stories because dude knows what he's doing and he's done the research for me. And so I'm just going to do one of his stories every time we feel like doing this. And it's fine. Go buy his books. They're on Amazon. They're like 10 bucks a piece. They're like modern Pulp Fiction support him he's like a former journalist i mean he's probably still a journalist but he used to write for like the newspapers here in key west and now he does these books he's got some ghost books and these true crime books and he's got i think a von castle book one about robert the doll go buy him those are all non-fiction that's yeah. all true so these are true well, this story is called jailbreak it's from true crime stories of key west and the florida keys volume two by terry schmidta noted Hellhole. That was a common description for the old Monroe County Jail given by inmates and guards alike. You know, there's a song called Hellhole. Is there? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Anyway, go ahead. The old Monroe County Jail, not the current jail, which is on Stock Island and has the farm, including the emu. Yes. And uh, there's a gator. <laughs> and a parrot, I think, some birds. I've seen the emu. I mean, you can just like walk up to the fence and see the animals that live there. There's an iguana. There used to be. There used to be. Somebody fed it to the gator. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, the old Monroe County Jail before that was located on the second floor of the Jefferson B. Brown Courthouse Annex on Whitehead Street. Whoa. That's a small jail. Yeah, it was little. Yeah. Um, so, so that's like the Wild West where you have like the there's one public public service building and it had the jail and the courthouse. Well, Inco. <laughs> the lockup was a 1920s Texas jail <gasps> that was Yeehaw. floated to Key West on barges Get and reassembled out. in the courthouse building. <laughs> Get out. This is like the one where they they pull the bars off with horses or yeah. something. Oh, man. 1920s Texas jail, put it on a barge, floated on across the Gulf down to Key West. It's because it's easier than building it down here. It had been designed for an area, an era when prisoners were better behaved. And <laughs> so, this whole article is so funny. And so it was hugely ill-suited for the increasingly violent, <laughs> drug-addled Florida Keys inmates of the 1970s, 80s, <laughs> and 90s. Drug-addled. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. Prisoners would back up their toilets to flood the courtrooms and offices <laughs> below and set fires in cell blocks that were already hazy with cigarette smoke. Oh They'd reach through their cell bars to grab the guards as they patrolled the corridors that were just 30 inches wide between the two rows you couldn't themselves. get away from the arms. No, you got to walk down there. The arms, they're just <laughs> reaching it's out. It's like a horror movie. <laughs> so bad. The arms. Oh, jeez. Worst of all for Key Westers was the ease with which resourceful inmates were able to escape. For a brief period <laughs> in the early 1980s, it appeared that prisoners, or some of them, could break out at will. The Bonvillon brothers... Really? Ran, uh, so it's B-O-N-V-I-L-L-I-O-N. 
Oh. Bon Vion. They're from Louisiana, so it's... I like it. I like it. No, that sounds Cajun to me. You're doing a good job. Thank you. The Bon Vion brothers, Randy and Rodney, were two such prisoners. <laughs> hailing from <laughs> Crawley, Louisiana. Both played by Adam Sandler. <laughs> Randy Bon Vion, 19, and Rodney, 20, were bad, bad men. <laughs> bad, bad men. Springing forth from a childhood that would later be described by their sentencing judge, sentencing judge as tragic and brutal... The brothers found themselves behind bars at the MCJ, that's the Monroe County Jail. Upstairs from the courthouse. In April of 1980. Do you want to put him in his house? Yeah, I think we have to export these dogs. So it can be tempting when you're talking about a prison break story to root for the prisoners breaking out because they're like fighting the man. This is you, not Terry. Just just like one. Yeah, this is just me saying this. Like one in general. Like you hear a prison break story and you're like, oh, I like help gets out. Like that's great. Like right. system, whatever. Uh, these guys are assholes. And so we're going to just go like, these guys are fucking assholes. Yeah. We're not rooting for them. Um, the, the two brothers, the Bon Vion brothers, they kidnapped James Burke, 20, and his fiance, Jackie Hornicle, 21. Those, the people they kidnapped were from Milwaukee. They picked them up. So this is 1979. So these, these people... James and Jackie picked him up in Cocoa Beach, which is like way up on the main, like way seven hours from here up on the mainland. Mm. Um, they they had picked up these two brothers who were hitchhiking. Oh, geez. This is so 70s. Yep. During a rainstorm. And. Yeah. So I'm just going to read you this sentence and then we don't have to talk about this anymore. Okay. By the time their abduction was over, Burke the guy had been stomped to death and dumped into a rock pit and Jackie had been raped at gunpoint, beaten and left for dead. She managed to crawl to the median of US one near Tavernier, which is in the upper keys where she was found by a coast guardsman and rushed to the hospital. Well, all right. These so are we, bad guys. We fucking hate these guys and we are not rooting for them escaping from the jail. Yep. They are assholes. Uh, so the kidnapping was in March. Ki- the murder rape kidnapping was in March of 1979. In October, they were apprehended along with two runaway girls from California at a bus terminal in New York. These uh, are completely disparate <laughs> situations. Oh, sorry, I pushed a weird button there. Okay, turn that off. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're just, it seems, it seems like they're just going all over the place. So they caught him in New York at, at a bus stop. Um, when they found out that they had these charges against them in Monroe County and that Jackie, the woman that they raped and beat and left for dead, had not died, they tried to kill themselves by diving headfirst from the upper bunks of their cell six feet down to the concrete floor below. So they're not that bright also. No, any kid who's ever slept in a bunk bed knows that you can't kill yourself. You, you don't die if you fall you off your bunk bed because it happens all die. the time. Um in addition to their Florida Keys woes, the brothers faced charges in California where they kidnapped and robbed a wealthy businessman, threatening to pour scalding water on his head if he didn't eat a fistful of narcotics, said the Miami Herald. They're real just fucked up bad guys. Yeah. So it's fall of 1980. These guys are sitting in the Monroe County Jail trying to get out of it, basically. So on the afternoon of November 17th, 1980, Rodney Bonvillon saw his chance and took it. During a routine shift change of the guards manning the watchtower of the jail's rooftop exercise yard, he and four other inmates scaled the tower, 
busted out the chain link ceiling and made their way down to freedom. <sighs> Several sheriff's deputies guarding seized marijuana in trucks outside the building noticed the men but assumed they were roofers, having been informed earlier that work was being done on the building's roof. This is the most slack area in the world. Oh, you're going to get mad at how bad it gets way worse than this. this is I mean, that's some real quality law enforcement investigative work right there. Yep. So two of the guys who escaped with them were caught in Bahama Village, which is like right behind where this place is. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just like like a couple blocks away. Um, but they put they started a hundred officer manhunt to capture Bon Vion who was described as, quote, suicidal, homicidal, schizophrenic, paranoid, and very dangerous. Wait, both of them? The, this is just Rodney who escaped this particular time, it looks like. Oh, okay. Rodney escaped with some other guys. Okay. Um, around midnight, the Key West police were called to the Days Inn near the, by now, roadblocked Cow Key Bridge. Oh, yeah. So the Cow Key Bridge oh, is... Oh, they just shut down the bridge. Yep. So there's one one way to get out of Key West, and it's on the you got to go over the Cow Key Bridge onto Stock Island. So they just closed the Cow Key Bridge because it's an island and it has a bridge. And then you're stuck on on the island, and there's not that many places to hide. Yep. So yeah, they closed the bridge. Um, so some Coast Guardsmen staying at at the hotel the days in encountered a man at the pool who told them he was an oil driller from Louisiana. <laughs> this says quote the coasties shared some beer with the man who seemed a little too keen to blend in with their party so they were like hmm maybe this is that guy that escaped from prison that we've seen about <laughs> so one dude's like i'm gonna go get some more beer from the <laughs> i'm real guy. tired I'll, gonna go. <laughs> I'll be back and he sneaks off and he calls the cops uh, <laughs> good job coasties Officer Bill Henderson arrived at the scene and looking through the window of one of the rooms saw Bonvion's face reflected in a mirror. Oh like, can you picture like the movie scene of the cop like looking in the window and, and then the, he sees the mirror. The and face the appears. The hunted man surrendered peacefully, telling Henderson that he had been staying at the, quote, Bonvion Motel. What a jerk. Like, just. Ugh. So they caught all the guys who escaped. In the wake of the escape, two jailers quit, knowing their negligence was probably going to get them fired anyway. <laughs> just, eh, okay, just a quit. third guard, who days earlier had taken two prisoners to a new town convenience store for a midnight snack, only to see one of them vanish into the night, also <laughs> handed in his resignation. I mean, it doesn't seem like they were that good at jailing. Amazingly... Two days later, both Bonviance and four other prisoners, overpowered guards, scrambled to freedom yet again. This is not amazing. No, it's not. <laughs> this is the, whatever the opposite of amazing is, that's what that is. Besides Rodney Bonviance, two of the group had been among the escapers from escapees from the earlier jailbreak. So a bunch of these guys escaped. They all get brought back and they're like, yeah, it's been two days. We're escaping again. <laughs> We're going to do that again. Uh, they all got kind of caught again. Meanwhile... Jackie, the woman who had been like raped and beaten and left for dead, her family is like, guys, what the fuck? Like, can you not keep these guys in jail? Uh, so the answer is no, they could not. I mean, I suspect the rest of the residents of Key West are like, why are we locking down the island every two days? Because there's murderers running around escaped. That would freak me out. Yeah. All right. So just for timing, the first escape was November 17th. Two days later, or maybe, I don't know, maybe three days later, November 20th, is the second escape. Yep. 
We are now up to the afternoon of December 29th. Oh, my goodness. Like a month later. A MCJ inmate informed jailers that five of his fellow prisoners had escaped the previous day. <laughs> previous day. <laughs> they hadn't noticed. The guy's like, um, excuse me, guard. <laughs> Uh, just so you know, five of the guys left yesterday. They haven't come back. It doesn't seem like you noticed <laughs> that five of them left yesterday. <laughs> County authorities immediately set up oh. a roadblock in Marathon, but given the 17-hour head start... 17 hours gets you all the way out of Florida if you keep conceded driving. they could be in Georgia by now. Oh. They could be in Texas by now, in <laughs> Illinois. After 17 hours, you Yikes. could be real far. D.C., 17 hours actually today gets you to D.C. It seems like this year just couldn't go out without something else happening, an exasperated sheriff said. Oh, it... What use of the passive voice? Like, it happened? A bad you, thing you, has happened. You let them escape. You didn't notice for a day? Like, they didn't show up for dinner? <laughs> By New Year's Eve, one of the escapees, James Dillman, was captured in Fort Lauderdale... Uh, meanwhile, with no signs of forced exit, Freeman's deputies set about finding out who had helped the prisoners escape. The answer came after jail guard Elmer Lee Joe Lewis failed a polygraph exam and admitted letting the five out through the jail's laundry room. He had been promised a $2,000 bribe that was supposed to arrive via Western Union, but Ingo, do you think he got the bribe? I do not think he, he got the bribe. He did not get the bribe. Oh, we'll we'll wire you two thousand dollars from Western Union, man. Just let us out. He's, he's like, really qualified. Mm, okay. I mean, that's a, that's some high level judgment right there. <laughs> you want a guy like that? <laughs> well, uh, Elmer was eventually sentenced to three years in prison for his role in helping them break but out. But he escaped a day later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I assume. Th I mean, he went to prison instead of the Monroe County Jail. Mm. All right. So this escaped December twenty ninth, nineteen eighty. On January 2nd, 1981, so four days later, authorities cut a break when Jacksonville, Florida police were tipped off that Randy Bonvillon was hiding out in a trailer in Ortega Farms, a remote rural area outside the city. It was owned by this guy, Horace Landry, who was a war buddy of Randy Bonvillon's dad. <laughs> and so the guy shows up and is like, hey, you are a war buddy of my dad. Can I stay here? And he's like, sure. And then someone's like, did you know that he escaped from jail? And then he's like, I'm calling the cops. <laughs> so he called the cops. Um, Bonvillon offered no resistance as he was taken into custody for the last time. Neither Bonvillon, no, I'm sorry, neither Bonvillon would ever know freedom again. Randy, in fact, wound up in solitary wearing a straitjacket after he and Dillman, whoever the hell that is, slashed their own wrists on February 5th, 1981. By now, Circuit Court Judge Bill Chappell was having a hard time lining up jurors for the Bonvillons' escape trial who hadn't already heard an earful about the brothers' exploits. Quote, well, um, they murdered one fellow, raped a girl, and escaped about 14 times, one potential candidate <laughs> told Chappell. She was excused from the proceedings. Yeah, this, this idea that we have to have jurors who know nothing is, like, so... So weird. Eventually, Chapel bowed to the inevitable and moved the trial to Dade County. I have been summoned for jury duty. Yes. I, I was summoned once before, and it's like you call the day before to see if you're needed, and I was not needed. And I was like, great. And then I got summoned again. Ingo has not been summoned yet. I have my second, and uh, I'm absolutely going to read up on every single case. So they'll be like, do you know anything about this case? And I'll be like, yes, I do. Uh, would you like me to recite the complaint to you? Because I have it memorized. I know all of the charges. I do not want to serve on a jury. Thank you for your service. Mm -mm. <laughs> nope. <laughs> 
I would not be a good juror. You'd be a great juror. Are you kidding? Nope. Because, like, the law doesn't work like science. It's a bunch of people lying on both sides about stuff. Yeah. So you cut through that and you just say, I am God. I know things. No. Come on. There's there's people who are going to take this seriously in a way that I'm not. The idea of judging other people is very attractive to other people. Uh, great. I'm not one of those people. Okay. So. All right. All right. There's no way. I know. I want to do it, and I'm not being summoned. That's it. I wish we could switch places because you be would like to do it, and I could, don't want to. If you could volunteer for jury duty. Of course, you might not want the people volunteering for jury <laughs> duty, but I would totally volunteer for jury duty. Yeah. Ugh. Well, hopefully I'll get out of it, but I'm going to be like, uh, I'm just going to actually give this answer for everything. Like, uh, do you know anything about this case? And I'll be like, didn't he murder a fellow, rape a girl, and then escape like 14 times? I'm going to say that for every person. And they're like, uh, ma'am, this is like a, an embezzlement charge. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he raped somebody and escaped 14 times. <laughs> and they'll be like, maybe not the best juror <laughs> for this jaywalking charge. <laughs> Uh, all right. Finally, after years of delay, the trial of the Bonvillon brothers began in a Miami courtroom in 1982. Randy tried to slow things up, complaining of an infected spider bite that he said gave him a fever of 105 degree, 101.5 degrees and confined him to a wheelchair. But circuit court judge Herbert Klein was having none of it. The trial was on. Yeah. What? Just self-reported? Like he's some like 11 year old kid who's like, I'm my tongue hurts. On January 25th, the Bonvillons were found guilty on all counts. First degree murder, attempted murder, sexual battery, and two counts each of kidnapping and robbery. Good. Shortly thereafter, Judge Klein followed the jury's recommendation and sentenced the brothers to death for killing James Burke. Good. In March, Klein slept on another three life terms plus 45 years for both brothers in case their executions were not carried out. The brothers still face charges of rape and attempted murder in California and New York. Klein's move turned out to be a prescient one. In June of 1983, he killed... uh, No, I'm sorry. In June of 1983, he himself vacated the death sentences against Randy uh, Randy and Rodney, citing a recent Supreme Court ruling requiring judges to take defendants' background into consideration. The tragedy of their lives may be the reason they did what they did, but it is not an excuse. Oi. So, now incarcerated in a prison from which there is no escape, the Bonvillons are in the process of becoming history and will spend the rest of their lives as guests of the state of Florida. The old Monroe County Jail, from which they repeatedly escaped, has already become history, in part due to its vulnerability to escape. (laughs) By March of 1994, the last of the old jail prisoners had been transferred to a brand new modern facility on Stock Island where escapes have been rare. The old jail still exists as storage for county paperwork and parking tickets, but never again will the graffiti-modeled walls of the metal labyrinth echo with the sounds of angry inmates cheering on cellmates such as the Bonvillon brothers as they make a desperate dash for freedom. Dang. I know, right? I, uh, they store parking tickets? There's actually, <laughs> Ingo, here's a photo of the jail. The cell. The cell, which is storing boxes oh it like has a toilet paperwork. and then it has a box like a couple like bankers, on the bunk bankers boxes of documents on the bunk but mm-hmm. they still have the sink in the toilet they did minimal refit yep yep we're just put the boxes on the bunk it's like, fine yeah, if you need to go to the bathroom it's right there too so document there review <laughs> uh hang on a second here what do you mean they store parking tickets 
<laughs> I mean, I, this is a lot of these stories are sort of older. Yeah, they, when they had paper. All right. So one of my favorite segments, I mean, these Terry Schmidt books are great, right? Like we're just basically reading his stories here with a little paraphrasing. But every chapter has at the time of the crime, <laughs> which is like totally unrelated shit. That's like vaguely at the same time of the it's crime. Like if you were born on this date. At the time of the crime, on January 5th, 1980, the Key West Citizen reported that Edmund K. McIntyre of New Jersey had been arrested after a b- bizarre armed rampage that saw him kidnap and terrorize two Key West polici- policemen Whoa. at the Southern Cross Hotel in Duval Street and Monroe County Sheriff's Deputy, a jailer, and three tourists at the jailer's home on Josephine Street. Some 75 police officers searched the island for McIntyre, finally cornering him behind a North Roosevelt Boulevard restaurant. Wow. He was charged with 28 felonies and sentenced to 90 years in prison for his six-hour spree. What a bizarre... Like, again, though, he took the cops hostage. Yeah, maybe I'll try to dig more into that and see if there's, like, good... I have a newspapers.com subscription maybe i can find some stuff and we'll do that on a future episode that's 1980 yeah yeah okay well yeah. there you go murders paradise mysteries mysteries escapings yeah Dumb corruption it, worst jail ever seriously it floated over <laughs> they floated it <laughs> over from floated Texas. it over and maybe they didn't attach it properly guys we don't <laughs> need anything from seems Texas. like this prefab jail thing was not <laughs> the best perhaps move we're gonna float it over and then put it on the second floor <laughs> of this <laughs> <Yeah>. building <laughs> it just see it just has like weird written all over it already yeah just dig a hole <laughs> oh no you can't because of water yeah you can't dig a hole there. that's true and it makes water still all right well, there you go. You got anything else you want to add to our Mysteries in Paradise pod, Ingo? No, that's a good one. Okay. I, I, and, you know, yeah. Hopefully we'll continue doing more of these on a slightly more regular schedule. But, you know, it's a mystery. Hence the podcast name. It's a great name for the mystery of the scheduling here. Uh, and until next time, don't conk out. Don't conk out. Bye. Bye.